Hey everyone, welcome back to Eli's Echo. I'm your host, Eli Ambulos. On this edition of Eli's Echo, I have a special guest, Christian West. Christian hails from Denmark and has a tremendous amount of experience in executive protection. So I'm super anxious to get the podcast started. I really hope you enjoy. Please drop a like, put a comment, shoot me a message, let me know your thoughts, and if you'd like to hear anything different. Thanks. So without further ado, let me introduce Christian West. Awesome. Hey, Christian, thank you for being my first guest. I have to play with these little sounds here and there, but um, hey, it's awesome. How are you? It's the first podcast I've ever had a standing or a, a standing applause. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> it won't be the last time, I swear. <laughs> how are you doing, man? Good, good. I, uh, I appreciate you, you being here, Christian. It's been a long time since, uh, well, we go way back, but it's also been a long time since we chatted. So I'm actually really excited um, to have a chat today. Um, just to kind of dig into, you know, your experience and then what you have to do. So sure. just thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, of course, man. Anytime. We've always uh, had a good dialogue about things. And um, I was trying to think how long we go back, but I would say at least 10 years or, or maybe even more. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, you hit it on the head. And so for those that aren't aware, um, my one of my previous roles was at Apple. And that was when I got first introduced to Christian, um, specifically because he's an expert in the EP world. And I think it goes back, Christian, 20, probably 2013. I was at a conference. Yep. And, and, San Antonio, uh, Texas. Was, there you go, there you man. Go. It was Texas. Yep. Uh and Ivor, I, I met Ivor Forrest. He goes, hey, I have someone I want you to meet. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> and that, that was it, man. Yep. It goes back from there. Yep, yep, yep. I remember. Yeah. Funny how time awesome, flies. Awesome, man. Right? You, have, you, have, you have a better memory than I do. I forgot to San Antonio. I'm like, it was somewhere in Texas. Yep. Um, but awesome, Christian. I appreciate you being here. Can you just give us um, a, a introduction to the audience about who you are, um, insight into your experience in... You know, maybe the insight into the many companies that you've started, yeah. just so that folks get an understanding of who you are. Sure. Well, Christian West, as you mentioned, born and raised in uh, Denmark, in Europe, um, kind of came into um, the EP industry or executive protection industry um, early on, already when I was in my um, early 20s. I was um, lucky enough to um, work for some Danish producers who ended up um, having a career here in the U.S. So uh, they brought me over to um, protect them and um, did that for about five years in um, Hollywood and around the world. And um, after five years in America, I went back to Denmark, built my um, first security company, which I ran for um, a few years. Was lucky enough to um, sell that to Securitas back in the days when um, they also bought Pinkerton and a couple of other companies, and um, they were um, betting big on on, on special security, uh, not just guard work. So executive protection was one of them, and I worked with them for a couple of years. And um, after my time was over with them, I started um, my company called AS Solution which um, grew from Denmark to um, 16 locations, actually 18 locations around the world. And um, with the company, I moved back to the US and um, have been here now for, I would say 13 years. And um, I recently, or like three years ago, actually to be more precise, sold um, AS Solution to Allied Universal and um, since then, I took a little bit of time off to kind of figure out what I want to do and if I was um, kind of ready to retire or not, but found out pretty quickly that that wasn't for me. So I started um, a training company called EP Access that um, kind of is built on all the experiences that I've done in the personal protection industry. And um, I used um, online training as the primary delivery tool but it's of course backed up by a bunch of personal training either by myself or by a cadre of um, instructors and um, yeah here I am so uh, that's kind of like the story from the helicopter super fast 
Yeah, so I, I can imagine the background that you went into. Like you, you covered that in two minutes. So like, <laughs> yeah. You could probably be here for hours talking yeah, about that's the ins true. and outs, that's man. True. <clears throat> so yeah. yeah, no, I mean, kudos to you. Like honestly, I, I was looking forward to this this conversation today. Um, you know, for those that aren't aware, you know, Christian and I, that unique relationship that we had being, you know, corporate company and then contracting out work, you know, to to folks like Christian when he was at A Solutions and owned it. There's only so much like interaction you can have mm-hmm. on professional, personal level. And so today I'm super excited because I actually get to dig into your personal <laughs> experience because now it's just me. I'm not talking from a company No, I perspective. get it. I get it. Uh, um, and yeah, you're right. I mean... You know, when um, when you are a provider to corporate America or, or corporations anywhere, you always have to kind of like walk a fine balance, right? And sometimes um, you get close to people and sometimes you don't. But if you get close to someone, it should be on a personal relationship so you can still maintain the professional relationship, right? And I think... Um, over the years, we've been we've been really good at maintaining a, a professional relationship, and um, it's it's been a great ride. So I was excited myself, right? Because it's always fun when you uh, pass something and you can talk about it, right? Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I think it's and you're right because I th- I think we did a really good job balancing, mm-hmm. right? So we always balance that professional, but I, I I can't I don't I can't count the number of times where I would call you. <laughs> Even when you weren't doing work for us, and I'm like, "Hey, Christian, like, I, I need a contact yeah, because I have this unique situation." And and that's when you had introduced me to um, Eric Powell uh-huh. as well, right? Just kind of like happenstance, like, "Hey, I have someone for you." And so, it's kind of that personal advice that yeah. that almost like a mentorship. I appreciate. Oh, that. thank you for that. But you know, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't um, pay enough attention to, right? And in my world, when you work in that space I do, which is executive protection, it's a very, very small world, right? We kind of like a fine little niche within the security organizations, which is security is typically a niche of big companies, right? So we're a niche within the niche, meaning that everybody knows everybody. And I think that one of the best ways that you can actually both be a good person, but also run your business and make sure you have long-term value and um, make sure that, that, that people remember you as a personal and, a, and an approachable partner and a, a professional player is to not be afraid of sharing, both uh, share information and share uh, contacts and, and help each other out, right? I actually, um, you know, I'm one of the guys that um, before pandemic, if you had asked me, hey, there's going to be a pandemic and the whole world is going to close down, I would have said, oh, shit, let's buy some more ammo or something like that. (laughs) But, you know, now when we came out of the other side, I actually uh, got kind of like um, reminded that most people are actually good people that like to help each other, right? Because when you really think about it, yeah, we fought a little bit about vaccines and whatever, but for the most part, the world kept together, right? And that's pretty impressive. But I also think that in business, me helping you or introducing you or or whatever made me a better partner and it gave me some long-term value, right? So I think that's super important. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's great advice and wisdom. I think what's interesting is, you know, as you mentioned that one of the things I try and as I try and through my podcast or, you know, I have, you know, uh, a daily dose recording that I do for folks, just again, trying to push in motivation. I think what's interesting, like you mentioned, if you consider the pandemic, you're exactly right where, you know, everyone thought the world was ending, but then once you kind of just got accustomed to this this weirdness this this pandemic and it started to become more natural you really did see a lot of goodness in in people you did and i think it's interesting i mean I, i love how you talk about helping each other and helping others because i think one of the things that i i try and emphasize for folks is you and i took that helping each other in a company perspective, uh-huh. right? Like, you know, hey, Christian, how, you know, you know, can you help me with X? And then same thing is I would, you know, I would, you know, give you guidance when it came to certain projects. But what's interesting is it seems so natural for some folks like you and I to do that in the workplace. But on a personal level, I think we forget that we can still do that with individuals <laughs> as the helping hand is yeah. be there for folks, connect with folks. And I think that's interesting that, in the workplace, it seems natural, 
But when you start to consider like your personal bubble, you're like, well, I don't know if I want to like put myself out there or extend a helping hand. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always hard, right? And you know, I think there's um, different people that kind of like appreciate different things, right? Because you know, every time um, you have to move. There are the people who say, hey, I can help you move. There's the people who says, absolutely not. And there's the people that say, hey, I chip in for a moving company, right? <laughs> um, and, I, and I think that, that, that kind of tells you a lot about who you are, right? But it's also um, different, right? Because I, um, I sometimes feel like I'm two different personalities, right? Because um, when you're a business owner, you, you kind of like um, almost have to be an extrovert. You have to be out there and talking and, and selling your products and uh, communicating and networking and whatever. And then when you come home, a lot of people time, uh, sometimes expect you to be the same person, which is not always the case, right? Because there you kind of like value your privacy and you value your alone time and you value um, not, not always doing stuff all the time. And especially when you, like me, has traveled and traveled and then done more travel you really um you really value your time at home right so a lot of times um you kind of go from being an introvert to um being an extrovert when you are at work right so it's 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 interesting and i think that goes for how much we're we're willing to help people privately as well right yeah and you know it's interesting because i've said it a couple times like when i just depending on the topic that i'm talking about when i, I introduce something but i think you hit it you hit it really well like i i am introverted at home like i i get comfortable i can do my things like i have this amazing studio or it's my work studio but i like my space but maybe you're exactly right like i can the minute i step out the doors for work i can be that extrovert mm -hmm. right and you know, and I'm, I'm starting a couple companies, you know, which I'll, I would love to introduce you to as we talk um, through today. But but I think you, you hit it right. Maybe I didn't realize it is when you're outside in the public view, because you're so extroverted and you have to be by the time you get home, you're tired. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, I, I don't need to be that extrovert. Maybe, and I didn't think of it that way is because you have, you're so exhausted out there. By the time you get back, you're like, I'm going to enjoy my space. Yeah, but you know, it's also a question about, I'm sure if you have listeners here who has um, their own businesses and, and have run their own businesses, for instance, when you go to a conference, right? You're primarily there to interact with other people. You're there to learn. You're there to um, kind of be the face of your own company, right? But then you have employees who are there too, and you want to be there for them as well. And that can sometimes be exhausting, right? Because you have to be the outside that is out there being the face of whatever it is that you're selling. But at the same time, you also have your employees that want to have some of your time, right? And it's kind of the same, at least for me, you know, when I'm out and I'm at work and all of that, I can be a lot of things. But when I'm back home, at least sometimes I like to really um, just do my own thing and not have too many people um, around for that. So it's good. Yeah, no, I love yeah. it. I think you, I think you hit it on the head. So I think um, as you talk about being that owner, right? It sounds like I mean you've you've done really well for yourself. I mean I didn't realize again as we're sharing like you sold, you know that your first company was Securitas and then second one LA Universal. You know for the for folks that aren't in, familiar with the the industry that might be listening is those are two of the key names in the world of security. And so you know that's a testimony to your ability to be an entrepreneur. As you mentioned, as an owner, you're invested in your people, you're invested in sure. being extroverted. So I guess, you know, and I want to talk about EP access, but I think before we get there is, given that you've been so successful as this entrepreneur, like what advice would you give to someone if they're interested in branching out their own business, if they're interested in trying to put themselves out there, what advice do you have for those kind of people? Uh, you know, it's... It's always tough because, um, you know, people always say that, oh, you're a successful entrepreneur and, and, and you did these things. First of all, I mean, I also had plenty of projects that didn't go anywhere, right? So you can't be successful <laughs> with everything that you do. So um, I've had plenty of things that didn't go the way that they were supposed to go. But I think what's most important is really that um, you're not afraid of trying. And, you know, people are always waiting for the perfect time of their life. 
And they're always kind of like, well, if I have money to start this and whatever, right? I never um, really looked at it that way, right? Because I, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do. I, I, I really like the pro protection space that I'm in. And um, even now, when I have kind of the chance to, I don't know, resettle my life and then and, and go out and, and, and try and do whatever I want to do, I always come back to what I'm good at and what I really like doing. And that is um, being in the protection industry, right? And I think that um, for a lot of people, if they want to create something for themselves that they kind of want to be their own master or they're really good at what it is that they do and they think other people can benefit from it, they should jump out on their own uh, and, and, and do it. But um, I think kind of like um, your drive to do what you like needs to be what drives you, right? Because it's not hard to get a really good idea. It's not hard to... Um, say, hey, I should do this. What's really hard is to get up Monday morning and execute on that idea. When there's nobody who tells you what to do, you kind of have to make it up yourself, right? How do I get from here to one and how do I get from one to 10? It's kind of like you're on your own, right? And, and that's the hard part about being an entrepreneur, right? So I guess the advice is don't be afraid of doing it and don't be afraid of failing. Uh, what is it? Um, I'm not that much of a quote guy, but I I really like the quote Michael Jordan said about, I think it was him who said that um, you miss 100% of the shots you didn't take. Yep. And I think that's such a good, um, that's such a good quote, right? Because it is kind of the same for entrepreneurs. If you don't try, you never know if it would have worked, right? No, I love it. I think, um, and I, I appreciate that. I think as I, as I try and create messages for folks as well, you know, I think, you know, one of the things I've, that I've had previously is, I, you know, there's, it's been said that like fear is an acronym for false events appearing real. <laughs> and I think what's interesting, right, is we get caught up in our head is, when we get in, we, we think we're inspired. I'm going to go chase this. But then all of a sudden you sit back and go, well, I don't have enough money yet. And so what if I fail? Um, or what am what are my friends going to think of me? Or I, I'm too scared because I'm, I'm, I feel secure and I feel safe in my little bubble, you know, and you start to come up with all these scenarios. Well, if I do this, I might this. If that happens, this might happen. Versus what's interesting is then, then they get locked in that fear. But what's interesting is I think if you spin it on the head, if you are driven, and I think you hit it right, like if it's a passion and if you're willing to do it, I think one of the things is not looking at the negative outcome is going, hey, if I take this, like you said, first step to get to step 10, mm -hmm. what, how great could it be, right? How, what is that positive out of it? And I think people forget to look at the positive <laughs> potential outcome because there's going to be a downside potential. Of course, of course. But it's also a question about, um, you know, you should never jump in into it because you think you're going to make a ton of money. You should never jump into it because you think it's a um, shortcut to um, a really good life where you don't have to work so much, right? A lot of people say, oh, you work from yourself for yourself, so you don't have to um, kind of like you can take off whenever you want and all of that stuff, right? And, of course, there's an element to that, but when you work for yourself, there is no such thing as taking off, right? It's just moving the time around so it fit. And a lot of people um, look at, at how great it would be to be an entrepreneur, and it's such a fashionable thing, and um, especially also worked in Silicon Valley, right? I mean, everybody thinks that if... Um, if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, instantly you're a millionaire and, and eventually a billionaire and all startups um, is, is like an overnight success and whatever, right? I mean, it takes time and you've got to be able to put in um, the elbow grease and, and, and you've got to be really good at, at, at what it is that you do. And you, the hardest part is you can also never be scared of, um, of pivoting, right? Because you've got to follow uh, your heart and your clients and your products and, and all of those things, right? But if you have it in your heart and you believe in it and then and, and you become really good at what you do, I, I, I don't think um, starting a company and, 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 and making something out of yourself is that hard. It's hard work. 
but a lot of people can do it, but they don't do it because they're afraid of uh, losing the safety net or they're afraid of um, kind of letting go. And um, that, that's probably the biggest downfall most people have when we talk about uh, entrepreneurship. Yeah, no, I love that. I think, like you said, is be realistic. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, it's not going to be easy. There's long days. But I think what's interesting, and I, I be in, and, and maybe we could tie this into EP access, but I feel like, you know, because I have a handful of things in the air that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm just about to launch my, uh, a Bitcoin ATM company. Um, going to get that out there. You know, I'm about to launch a consulting company. You know, my book's coming out next year. And what's interesting, though, is those are really big feats on top of my full-time job with Google, on top of, you know, I'm in a doctoral program trying to get my doctorate. So there's, there's only so much time in the day. Yeah. But I'd be interested to hear from you, like, it, when I, I feel like when I'm actually doing something I like, mm -hmm. even though it's hard, it doesn't feel like work. I'm putting in the effort. <laughs> But it, it feels almost effortless. It doesn't like the other night I was like, man, it's already midnight, but I was working on some content uh -huh. for my consulting uh -huh. firm. So it's like, like, what are your thoughts there? Like, I mean, talk, tell us like why EP access for you or what's your next step? I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, the whole thing about time management is, is one thing that always kind of like uh, makes me smile, right? Because every time I'm out with friends or meet, meet family or, or hang out with people, they go, hey, did you watch this movie? And I go, no. Did you watch this TV program? And I go, no. And people always kind of laugh because even though I've been in the personal protection space, I have zero idea of who famous people is who, right? Because it just doesn't interest me that much, right? And I'm not a, you know me, um, Eli, I'm not a, um, like an intellect person in any way. I'm not very uh, book smart and I'm not like uh, number smart, whatever. But for some reason, I have figured out the protection space that I'm in and it never feels like I'm working. Because the funny thing is, um, after I sold AS Solution and pandemic hit, I probably took a, I would say I took a year off where I kind of didn't know which way to go. I was kind of like, didn't know if I had the time off. And, you know, I needed some time because I had been traveling more than 250 days for the past many, 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 many years. So I needed some time to find myself. But after I found myself, I also found myself sitting and nerding out on my old um, kind of like uh, work and, 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 and the things that I'm really, really interested in, which is the protection space, right? <laughs> and I realized that in all these years and, and even today, it doesn't feel like work. Of course, there's stuff that I need to get done for the company that I don't like doing. And of course, there's stuff that I like better than other stuff. But at the end of the day, it's um, me and one of my really good friends that has worked for me for years. We were always kid to each other and say the worst thing that could happen is that we have to have a real job, right? Even though we uh, <laughs> were running a company that uh, that had, I don't know, we were at $68 million and had about 700 employees worldwide, right? But it didn't feel like a job because it was just, uh, it was fun, you know? Yeah, that's... Um I love it. No, <clears throat> and I will add for folks that are listening, I, you, you don't give yourself enough credit, Christian, right? And I think is, you know, there's, I think there's, there's several types of wisdom in the world, right? And so as you mentioned, like, certainly if, you know, if, if, if as you self-proclaimed, you might not be that academic that is studied up and looking into theories. But I think one thing that you have is the intellectual ability of practicality. Sure. I think you've, you know, you've loved EP, the EP world so much in that industry because you're actual practical. Like you, you started from the ground up. Sure. Like you've lived this industry and learned the hard way. What theory can't teach you. You've been in it and now it's in your blood. You can't get away from no, it. No, and, 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 and I agree with you on that. It's just hard to say that, um, you know, when, 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 when you're in it, right, and you kind of get it, and I think this goes for a lot of, um, for a lot of di different categories of work and different um, categories of, uh, of, of, of the workplace, right? But, I mean, yeah, I'm good at, at, at the practical side 
of protecting other people. But when you really think about it, protecting people is keeping people away from danger or keeping danger away from people, right? It's one of the two. And at the end of the day, when you look at it, I don't think that... Originally, I don't think I did anything different than other people did because there's a lot of logistical things involved in it. And if you're good at that, it's hard to say, hey, man, I'm a logistical genius uh, or I'm really, really good at these things, right? Because it's... It, when it comes natural to you and you became good at it, it doesn't feel like it's hard. But then when you see how other people do it and how other people fail and how you can get better, you go, oh my God, they can't figure this shit out and it's so simple, right? So I, I, I get what you're saying about not giving yourself enough credit, but I also think it's a question about, um, you know, some industries are so much up for disruption. And, you know, when you, when you have some good ideas, people ask me all the time, Like, um, you're coming to the end of your non-compete. Are you going to do a new AS solution? And I'm like, hell no. Why would I do that? Three years has gone by. I could do something much better today, much smarter. There's so much new technology. There's so many things that has developed and, and, and has done better, right? I mean, both you and I had a, have a background working in, in all these technology companies. And, and you know better than I do, three years is a long time in, in their yeah. world of yeah. technology, right? But... You know, the, the, the security and the protection space, we're still stuck in, in a world of pen and paper and uh, folders and binders and clipboards. And, and I'm kind of like, guys, we need to do better, right? And I'm one of the older guys now in this. And I wish some young people would wow me with, uh, with new stuff and new technology and whatever. But, but I guess sometimes there are some people that has to be the innovators and the disruptors and, and all of that, right? And I guess that just feels natural to some people. So that, that's where it comes from, I think. Yeah. Um, and for those that aren't aware, so a non-compete, so what happens is for someone like Christian that sells, sells uh, one company to another, the company that bought it will tell him, basically, you can't build another business that's similar to this one for X amount of years. And so as Christian now, you're coming up on the end of your non-compete uh -huh. for three years. Now that does open the doors up for Christian to be able to build something similar. And so obviously, like you mentioned, like you don't want to build another company for the, with like the one you just saw. No. You're looking at something different. So I guess, what do you, what do you see for trends? So, you know, whether it's trends in, you know, leadership in your industry or EP or what, where do you think, what do you think would t help take EP to the next level? Now that you've had this time to maybe, you know, game theory, your next mm -hmm. steps, what do you kind of see those trends either that you see coming or would like to see happen? Well, I think that there's a couple of things to begin with. Um, if you look at uh, the demographics of the workforce and the demographics of the coming workforce, right now it's almost impossible in any line of work to find enough people that, that want to work and want to do it. We see all these um, empty jobs and, and job postings being repeated and repeated, right? And if you look at it, um, especially in the security industry, where we're a service industry and um, we're not a um, highly skilled industry. And um, for a lot of people, we're kind of like, um, you know, it's, it, for a lot of young people, it's not a, a meaningful job, right? So I think the security industry in general will have much harder time because the uniform security industry and stuff like that is um, even more trivia than EP can be, but at least in EP we can pay people a decent salary and we can give them some excitement from travel and training and, and whatever, whatever, but we still can't fill the jobs today. And if you look at the generation that comes into the workforce, um, will be the smallest generation that we've ever had, and they will also be one of the richest generations of people to come into the workforce. So... <laughs> If you want to fill service jobs, you've got to make it really, really good and attractive for people to work there, right? So I think a lot of it starts with your people. You need to find a way where you can attract talent and keep keep talent, right? So you, you have a high retention, but you also got to find out a way where um, you make it meaningful and you make it better than, than what we went through. Right, because you know, um, just the whole thing of um, 
when you when you're in the protection space like can we keep up a kind of like level where people can live wherever they want and deploy to work we have to create something like that right because you know as well as i do in the silicon valley and some of the other hotspots it's almost impossible to find talent but if you go to some of the mid american states where they don't have the same options if you can be a protection guy and make over a hundred grand and uh, maybe live in omaha and fly to wherever you get deployed for two weeks and come back home all of a sudden you're a city king if you can make a hundred grand in, in in some of these cities right and there are plenty of talent in these cities just just not plenty of talent where our clients are right so i think one of the biggest trends that we're gonna see is somehow we got to figure that out and our leadership that's going to lead these new companies in the security world one of the first things they're going to figure out is how are we going to attract young people and how are we going to attract talent and how are we going to make it interesting for them to stay long enough now this is um this is really neat i i, I love your thoughts here right because i think you're exactly right i think talent pools are tapped in areas like California. Like you mentioned, specifically Bay Area, there's so much competition for these EP professionals, but the bottom line is Silicon Valley is no longer A, affordable, but B, appealing, right? So like if you're a young professional, maybe it's okay, right? So if you're former military, former police, or new into EP and not a whole lot of responsibilities, then it might be okay for you to travel and be always on call living in this small little apartment. But I think in the long term, that's not going to make a person happy. Right. And so it's, it's interesting. I I don't know. My, my, my mind's kind of wandering, right? Cause you and I, again, we go like, we start talking the security stuff. Like I I started thinking, but it's almost like, you know, the, the, you're up against also the demands of clients, mm-hmm. right? And I and I can speak to that truthfully because oh, I totally. know I've put some pretty heavy demands totally. on you, right? And I, I still do on people that I contract with. And what's interesting though is maybe what needs to change is the philosophy of those that are contracting this work, right? So I can speak from experience where I know it's like, here's what I want, here's when I want it, and you better always be able to provide it. Sure. And so, but what's interesting then is, but can you can you change the 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 the, the contract e company that's trying to, to to get your services? Can you change the mindset to go look? I know you want a team of two people, and you want always the same people. But how about this? Sure. What if it's four people, but two people will, will be in on the ground for two weeks and then the next two people will be in on the ground in two weeks. And then to your point, what it is, is I'm still getting my two people, but I'm seeing four faces. And then someone like you is able to contract those four from across the US and have them stay locally for only a couple weeks at a time. Exactly, exactly, right? Of course, people will say, yeah, but there's a lot of challenges with that because um, they need to have a place to stay and where they're paying their taxes and where they're doing this and where they're doing that. I get it. But at the end of the day, if I solve it and you guys don't solve it, challenge me on it, right? Because right now, when you think about it, and I don't know how it is in the rest of the security space, but again, and I know we talk about the Bay Area, but that's because we have a lot of experience from there that we don't owe off, right? But when you think about it, in the Bay Area today, there is probably around at least 50 to 100 unfilled EP jobs where you start at 120,000 and you have no educational demand, right? I mean, it's great if you have some kind of an education, but you do not need to have a master's degree or a bachelor's degree or whatever. If you have experience, you will be hired in many of these places, right? So when you think about that, it's totally crazy that we have unfilled jobs that will pay you over 120 grand. And the providers that are living of providing people like you um, workforce, they can't find them, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, right? So either we um, we develop, or we're not gonna 
develop as kind of an industry and, and, and we're going to see a need, right? Because most people's response would be, well, Eli, you guys, it's just going to pay us some more so we can steal somebody from one of the other companies. But, but, but that's just not going to work in the long run, right? Because you also got to remember that if, if I were smart enough to talk a young man from, again, Omaha or, or wherever to move to the Bay Area, chances are of him being happy there is pretty slim, right? Because, yeah, he's going to come to probably his dream job and he'll be traveling and he'll be doing all this cool stuff, but he'll bring his wife and kids with them that doesn't really have a chance to do what they did at home, right? Because they can't go into nature. They might not be able to find the school that they had back home. They might not be able to do all of these things. And by the way, you're always stuck in traffic on the 101, right? So it's not attractive yep. for anybody but the people that, that do the job, but they come with a family. So the chances of them staying for a long time is relatively small, right? Also because they figure out that 120K when you're always traveling in the Bay Area is nothing. You can't even find a house for that. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting. Like, you know, again, like, I think you hit it on the head is for for clients that are procuring your type of services, can it get to a point where, look, I don't need to know how the sausage is made. Like, I know I'm paying you for two people. This is what I'm going to, you know, this is what it's going to cost me. This is what you're billing me. And then however you make those, however you bring in those two people, right? Because to your point is, yeah, maybe relocating that person from Omaha won't work. But if it's a job that does high have high travel, you might be able to say, okay, like how many days does this person need to be in the exactly. big versus they're on the jump team that is always constantly traveling. You know, if we want them to come into the Bay Area, you know, once a week, twice a week, you know, then it might be the philosophy of the company to say, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, buy a semi-affordable house as a company mm -hmm. and house our incoming EPs on a regular that pass through cost for that home sure. is shared by multiple clients, right? Like the administrative fee. Of course. And then you you cycle people in. So rather than saying and I think this is, in, again, this may be the philosophy that has to change from the requester side is, you know, there's, we, we think that there's comfort in having consistency, right? In the EP world, I want to be consistent. But to your point, with attrition, when companies are constantly up, upping the ante on pay and benefits and just robbing each other, do you really have anybody consistent? And I think ultimately you don't. Exactly. So knowing that's going to happen anyway. Done. Let the let you as a provider say, look, I will give you two full time headcount. Let us determine the logistics of that. You'll get to know the team. You'll get to know a handful of faces, and then you're able to cycle people through. Have someone from Omaha travel, leave his fam family there. He comes to the Bay Area, and it's kind of a shared. It's a shared role versus a dedicated full time role. Yeah, but and and you know that's just one one way of looking at it, Eli. And I'm I'm. I'm not saying that this is the way forward because there's also other ways of looking at it, right? You know, I'm coming from Europe where um, security always have been technology backed up by manpower. In the U.S., we've always had manpower backed yeah. up by technology. Mm. So there's also like, you know, um, there's always these forums where in security talk about um, – uh, integration and we talk the future of technology and we talk about all of these things, right? But truth of the matter is whenever we go to a conference in the security industry, there's about a thousand exhibitors who sell you technology of all kinds, right? And then there's um, kind of an expectation that whatever signal comes from these devices goes to a GSOC and there's the lowest nominator of an agent sitting kind of trying to do something, meaning, meaning that as long as we have that attitude, we'll never have full integration, right? And you know, in, in the EP space, I don't think anybody has figured out yet how can we supplement with or, or integrate technology so we can start kind of like, I wouldn't say cutting manpower, but kind of put a hold on how much more manpower do we need, right? I mean, we haven't figured out technology integration at all. 
we say we have and we pretend like we have and then and, and we talk about we want to do it and everybody sits there and go like oh we're so good and then and, and what it really is when we talk about integration is that it has figured out how to be integrated with the security technology but we haven't figured out how to integrate the security personnel with the technology so we can start getting the synergies right and the same synergies you can go the other way and say if you needed two guys on a protective detail what if we can start using um, cameras and scanners and whatever so you only need one guy or only need one guy some of the time yeah i think i think that's great yeah i mean i think the last time we actually saw each other was uh this year um at in Vegas, it was not South by Southwest, was it? No, it was at um, uh, what is it called? Like um, one of the security conferences, ISC West. Yeah, security ISC conference. West. ISC. Yeah. Thank you, ISC West. And 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 I loved what was interesting. I love walk around into your point. Like nowadays. Drone technology is getting super advanced. Obviously, there's all kinds of FAA regulations around it and requirements to get licensing, but still, it's evolving, right? And it's becoming even more and more advanced. But then what was also interesting is I think what's unexplored to some extent also is like this world of robotics, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you saw that mechanical dog that was was like – and it was – it was amazing where this thing could go and it was operated. And so it is interesting – that as an industry, can we pivot to your point, especially in the US, that technology backed by manpower? Because you're exactly right. It's backwards. It is. Right? It's it's all about manpower. And then, okay, yeah, let's sprinkle technology so that we can say that we're technical and advanced. But we all know that's not just the way it works. It, that's just not it, It's not, right? And And when you look at it, it's not like if you think about it, service jobs are gonna get any cheaper to fill right so maybe we're at a point where we should look at and say hey do we really need to add more people maybe we should really 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 try to get into some of this technology and see if we can truly integrate it yeah no i love that um i think and this is a kind of a good segue into this and so you know my background my forte is is corporate right i just Mm -hmm. it's just i fell into it um yours has been uh, entrepreneurship business ownership Mm -hmm. outside of corporate so i guess so the question is do you think that it takes a certain personality to work in a corporate environment versus like a smaller boutique environment or vice versa (laughs) that's (laughs) the million dollar question right it is the million dollar question because i always said to myself that um once I was done with my last company, AS Solution, I was going to go work for a corporation because it must be nice, right? <laughs> but I've also come to the conclusion that I'm probably a horrible employee. <laughs> so I, it, it, it's always hard to say because I can only speak from myself, right? I think you. Um, I think you're getting different things, and I also think um, when you think about this, um, I've been in the tech world for pretty much three generations. Right, started when uh, Microsoft kind of became a thing, followed uh, mm-hmm. up with Microsoft, then Google became a thing, then the social media companies became a thing, and and you know, I work for tech, and this makes me sound really old, right? I work, work really work <laughs> protection for three generations of companies. But there's one thing that I've noticed with corporate employees, right? And that is that whatever job they take, it has a lifetime as well, because they're really good in a startup role, but as soon as it becomes a bigger company, somebody else takes over, and when they get ready for an IPO, or they become kind of like a, a mature company, other people takes over, right? And then they go back and is with a new company and a new startup and whatever. And I think it's kind of the same when you're uh, when you're working for yourself, right? And one of the things that we always were kind of wondering in in in, in my little world of companies was which of our clients are going to grow to be big clients? How can we predict this? How can we figure this out, mm-hmm. right? And we had a bunch of um, theories and, and a bunch of things that we tried out and whatever. And we, we, we didn't like find out the kind of like 
golden idea of how does it go, but I think that, you know, I, I, I kind of know what I'm really good at, right? And I know what I'm really bad at. And if when I come out and become a partner with a client, if the client let me in and is willing to partner, I can help him do quantum leap in the beginning. But once we get there, somebody else in the corporation takes over. And then as the boutique vendor, you kind of like become less relevant, where in the beginning, you're really relevant to lift them there, right? And that's kind of the niche that I built. And I don't think I can do that on the inside of a corporation, right? But that's what works for me as a very um, boutique owner, right? And, and, you know, I've talked to this with some of my... um, colleagues and some would call them competitors and whatever about um, what are different companies were really good at and and, and I usually say that um, for me really complicated EP details with a lot of moving parts tends to find me where I'm not really good at really really simple stuff because it doesn't kind of like stimulates me enough right and um, I think I think um, if you really kind of go in and, and, and dissect this dissect this for yourself, you figure out who you are in business, but you also figure out who you are in life, right? Because you need to figure out what's fun, and that's what you need to work with because then you become really good at it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I think you're exactly right. I think is it's interesting, you know, like... I, I can... Being on the corporate side, I can testify that I do feel like some roles have a timeline mm-hmm. or as I like to say to it, an expiration date yeah. where, you know, there's only so far I can go in this role and either there's one or two things like you said is going to happen. Uh-huh. Either I outgrow it and I leave or the role outgrows me and I leave. Uh-huh. Right. And to your point. And so like there's always that constant balance in the corporate environment. But at the end of the day, I think as you hit it well, is regardless of the path you're on, be it smaller boutique or corporate, you have to know what you like, right? You have to know where you would thrive. To, to your point, you thrive in ambiguity, in complexity, in complex details, and that's what keeps you going. You're right. Like I, I, I my opinion would be in corporate, you would get bored because, like, I, yeah, things get complex, but it ebbs and flows until a point where it's fairly stagnant. Yeah, and you know, for me. Um, you know, I, I, I have multiple times let my job take me around the world with no safety net. I thrive like that. You know, I'm not a, one of those persons who kind of like lay awake wondering about all the bad things that will happen tomorrow or potentially could happen tomorrow, right? I'm very much a person that, that, that takes things as it comes and I'm very good at um, kind of compartmentalizing uh worries and happiness and, and, and whatever, right? And, and in general, it it, it, it it makes me really happy to have that, right? But other people would be scared shitless when they don't know how to pay the bills or if we're going to make it home on time or, or whatever, right? And, 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 you know, I guess, I guess we're all different that way, right? And I think if you're really... Um, um, some people used to say to me that, that, that people like me are born 200 years too late because the wagon trains west had already left, right? <laughs> but I think there's something to be said about it, right? Because every time you <laughs> kind of like do a road trip in America and you see this great land, right? You kind of think to yourself, what make people go beyond the next mountain? Because it's pretty here, right? Yeah. But it's kind of one of those things where, you know, and I guess it's part of being an entrepreneur, right? Because when is enough, right? When 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 don't you want to do it anymore, right? There's always kind of like, oh, man, we, it, it could be really cool to do this client. Yeah, but we're already busy. Yeah, but you know what? We should get this one, and we should do this, and we should do that, right? I think some people will be, um, myself included, I would probably be killed in too much of a corporate environment. I think I would be really good in corporate startups or in corporate R&D, but I don't think I would be really good in, um, you know, these uh, kind of monotone roles. You know, it's really funny because one of our, our um, mutual friends <laughs> said to me, um, Christian, you should get a job now that you're getting older in one of the private family offices and manage a small team. And, you know, I was so in love with that idea until I came out into the car. And I, I look at myself and go like, 
So I should manage seven or ten people that do maybe ten trips a year. You know what? That would probably bore me to death, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah. I guess you're right. There are different people for different things. Yeah. No, I love it. I think that's great. Like, you know, it's like the 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 view is pretty here. Why would I go past this one mountain? Like, that's that's a great way to summarize. Like, you know, like yeah, there's comfort, right? There's comfort in what what you know. There's comfort in what you think you like. But you just, you know, and not necessarily that the grass is always greener. No. But if you don't push yourself, you won't know what's beyond. It could be greener. It might not be, but you'll never be be able to answer that question if you don't try it. And, you know, one of the things, Eli, that has always been kind of like uh, interesting for me is, you know, um, a lot of the services that we sell is kind of um, embedded services, right? where Mm -hmm. our guys work for corporate America and they do that for a period of time and either it gets insourced or it keeps being outsourced. But one of the things that I've always kind of like had to have an opinion about and deal with and whatever is when the people that starts as contractors wants to go in-house, right? And for some Mm -hmm. reason, these guys always think that they should keep it a secret or I would be mad about it. And I'm like, if I was going to be mad about that, I would be mad my whole life, right? (laughs) Because it's just a natural progression of what happens. And if you look at it, if I've done my job correctly and found the right people, of course they should go in-house at one point in time. The only thing I say to them is that you're not going to get happier. You're just going to get safer. And at the end of the day, if you're looking for safety – that's definitely where you should go because you can work here for the rest of your life if you don't fuck up. But don't don't believe that trees grow into heaven because you still have to do the yeah. same work here. And a lot of times it's actually harder to be in a big corporation because you don't get handled and managed as closely as you do when you're a vendor, right? Because as a vendor, we show up, we uh, write down our reports because you guys keep us accountable, right? And a lot of these people that, that transfer into these roles in, in corporate America, especially in protection, they don't really know what they step into. And, and sometimes in this space where there's nobody who tells you what to do every day, you doesn't necessarily get happier, right? And so, so all I'm asking people when they go in is just figure out what it is that you want to do in life. Because also when you kind of like migrate into a lower level security position, there's like two or three people that are going to get promoted before you. So if you're happy being an agent, it's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. I think, um, and just for context, for those that aren't aware. So as Christian is painting the picture, when you get folks that represent companies like I do that either Apple, Facebook, or Google, and we contract these services, we get provided these fantastic, talented individuals. And to Christian's point, sometimes that company decides to make them employees and not necessarily work with a contractor anymore. And so what's interesting about that though, as you, as you share having obviously me being on the company side that absorbs. And I know that we've had conversations in previous lives about this exact scenario because I, I, I I recruited from you, but I think, it's interesting to hear your perspective on that, right? Uh, you were very honest before and we've ta- talked about this. Like, yeah, definitely, if you want the talent, great. It is a testimony, I think, to you, Christian, as the, the, the business the, and the, the ownership, the, the development of people. It's a testimony. But it is interesting hearing your side as the perception, and you're exactly right, is the move into some corporate environment, it is, it's quote unquote, it's safe, right? And nothing's permanent, but is it more, is it consistent? Do you know the environment? Sure. Are you going to always know the people? Like, absolutely. It comes with that. But you're, but what's interesting is I love your perspective of like, if that's what you, if you want safety, if you want security, but if you also want monotony, go there. <laughs> if you're looking at growing diving deeper into the industry, experiencing different clients, then yeah, you don't want to go in the corporate industry because basically once you go corporate, it, it, it you get what you get. There really isn't much change other than maybe new projects or new sure. systems, but it's the same job every day. Sure, it is. And, you know, I think sometimes um, if you look at what we do in, in the protection industry, we kind of battle a few things, right? 
but one of the things that we balance is um, place and time predictability, right? And then we battle our agents becoming too um, comfort in their role, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you don't pay attention anymore, you're not a protector, right? People can yeah. sneak by you or sneak up on you and whatever. And I think, um, and this is me looking from the outside in, I think a lot of corporation will have a very, very hard time stimulating agents for a very, very long time because it's very easy to become complacent, right? Yep. And it's very hard for the people who has crossed into corporate America to be moved to another client to get out of the complacency, right? So, yep. so I think that there is um, good and bad things about all of it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's an ecosystem, right? The product providers wouldn't be there without the corporations and the corporations wouldn't be there without the providers. It's, it's really that simple, right? And, yeah. you know, when I was a young man, I had feelings involved in that. And then I realized, I, you know, pick your battles. And at the end of the day, it is a testimony to me when you end up recruiting my people. But the real test comes afterwards. Because if I treated those people the way I should be treating them, as my kind of ambassadors in your house, they will keep me employed. But yeah. if I was an asshole to them and forgot yeah. my social responsibilities as a good employee, they will be yeah. the ones who smack, smack the door in my face once they come in house, right? And that's what I think <coughs> a lot of security companies like myself sometimes struggle with, right? Because at the end of the day, we sell services and we sell manpower. So if your manpower is not happy, you have a problem. Yeah. And this is, I think this is a perfect segue. I know I'm keeping you on an hour here, and so I want to kind of keep close to that. I know you're a very busy person. Hey, I, I, I mean, just, once we get started on this, I'm so passionate that we I, can make this. I up. mean, you and I, we can, we, we can go hours. <laughs> we can go hours, yeah. and I don't even have, I, don't, I think there's so many questions I still have. But I think you're exactly right. I think it's this symbiotic relationship where certainly these larger companies need very valuable contract work like you and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of keeps the system working. Um, because also without great companies like you, it makes it harder for corporate companies to recruit talented individuals that of they course. need, right? It's kind of almost like a, a trial run, oh, right? Totally. And, and I'm sure you feel this more so than we do from corporate America. It's like, oh, if we can just test out let's test out this one vendor they're great and then we kind of see the people we're getting then that leads to potential hiring to your point but i guess you know i guess one of the last things we'll cover is as you mentioned you have to treat that employee right while they're still with you mm -hmm. because when they move on they'll then keep you in mind if you don't then they will find a way to cut ties so i guess in that sense what do you think makes a good leader from your end with this as you're constantly balancing a global company, like you've done several global companies now, as you balance global companies, as you're balancing relationship with clients, developing employees, what do you think makes a good leader? Um, you know, I think one of the hardest disciplines that, that can be really, really, really hard, and especially when you're passionate about something, and when you've been doing it for a while, so you've seen a lot of things, it can be really hard to truly listen, right? Mm. Both listen to your clients, but also listen to your guys and, and your employees. And then I think it's very, very important that um, you're kind of accessible. And don't be weak in any way. Don't mistake accessible, nice, um, kind of like meet people where they are and all of this for week, right? Because I think most people, especially in um, some of the, the the harder industries, is looking for people that are not afraid of speaking their mind. But I think it's very important that you can listen and you can kind of like, I mean, I always live and die by it. If I have employees, I should treat them as well as I po possibly can within the parameters that we have set, right? Because people can understand the parameters, right? If, if, if you explain to them, hey, man, 
I cannot pay you more than this because insurance costs this. I have to make a little bit. The company has to pay for these things, right? But you know what? If you do a really good job with the client, we might be able to raise the price next year and you'll get more money out of it. People can understand that, but it's also the same to come back and don't be unreasonable, right? If people come back and say, hey man, um, we would really like to change these things because what the company does doesn't make sense here and you actually investigate it and it doesn't make sense, change it, right? If it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, when you sell manpower, all the people out with the clients is kind of the face that you have, right? They're your ambassadors, they're your diplomats, and and, and they're your highest asset. So if you want to be a a leading company and you want to be in the higher end and whatever, it's super important that these employees are happy, right? And, and you know, you can make them happy in many different ways, but, but, but one of the most important ways is to give them room, give them room to grow, treat them like decent human beings and, and treat them as well as you possibly can within the parameters. There's no point of, um, of not doing it, you know? No, that's awesome. I think, and that's the perfect segue, I think here, you know, like you mentioned is, you know, accessibility, you know, is a big one to leadership. Vulnerability, I think you hit that great, is you, some leaders are afraid to be empathetic, to show care mm-hmm. and express vulnerability, but it makes you a human being. So that's fantastic. And then that transparent communication. Yeah. Like you said, you can you can be transparent and honest with people. And I think people are afraid to do that. Oh. But once you can say, like, explain, like, here's the why. Like, I, I'm not... I'm not, you know, this greedy em- employer. Like this is this is the bottom line. Yeah. And here's how you can help me get you more money. Oh, yeah. Help me help you by impressing the client, oh, yeah. right? And so that that's really great. And I love pivoting, right? Being ready to pivot on the business when it feels like it's the right time, right? And change the business if things just aren't working. So that's really great. And the last one you have is, you know, room to grow. I think that one I think is really huge right now. I think to your point, we're, we're going into this era where this new generation is taking the workplace, the workforce. And I think if there isn't opportunities to grow so people can develop, attain new skill set, potentially leave your company to represent you, as you mentioned, like if you can't do that for an individual, why would they even bother spending time? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I also think there's one thing that that we cannot speak enough about. And, 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 you know, a lot of Americans, especially in the security industry, where we typically have a stigma. Right. You know, especially the people that came before us and the people that come outside of um, kind of like the Silicon Valley area, the New York area and all of these areas. Right. They have a stigma. Right. Of being these uh, very dry, very cut and paste, cookie cutter security professionals. Right. Which is such a thing of the past. Right. Mm -hmm. And we need to be much, 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 much better at attracting a diverse workforce, right? Because especially in the security industry, we've been horrible, horrible at it. And I get it in the uniformed world, but in the EP world where we actually can pay a decent salary and and, and, and I think for the most part, when you think about it, an EP job is a really good job, right? I mean, you, you make good money, mm-hmm. you do stuff that's pretty exciting in the security industry you don't have to stand out in the rain and get wet all the time and then you get to travel you get to do all of these things and you know most of the clients we work for even have free food right so we need to appreciate that but we also need to be able to attract a diverse workforce and 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 part of attracting a diverse workforce is also listening to it and make room for it yeah i love it yeah. So this is perfect, uh, Christian. I think um, I've taken enough of your evening. Uh, so before you go, one more round of applause. <laughs> there you go. The standing ovation is here for Christian West. <laughs> I like that. I appreciate it, Christian. Yeah. Um, it's always it's always a pleasure talking to you. Hey, Amen. Um, for those listeners, appreciate the time. You know, um, you'll have. In the description, you'll have Christian's contact information for his companies. Check out EP Access, new cutting edge EP training mm-hmm. where Christian brings his worldviews and his real life experience 
to practical professionals in the EP industry, executive protection industry. So look for that. Wow, that um, sounded really that's nice. It for now. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I, that's, that's, that's a sound bite for you, man. You can publish that, you know, uh, that's free of charge for you. I'll take that. I'll but, take uh, that. No, yeah, I appreciate everyone. Um, you know, again, this has been Christian West. I'm Eli Albalos, your host on Eli's Echo. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that podcast. Christian West is an amazing human being, has a tremendous amount of experience in executive protection. Check out the links in the description below. Before you go, a few things. Please hit the thumbs up button, drop a like, leave a comment wherever you're listening to me at, send me a message, but all that really does go a long way. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Please remember, tell someone you love them, pick up that phone, send a text message, grab them for lunch, but just share the information. That's it for now. I'm Eli Albalos, and this is Eli's Echo. Thank you. All that really does go a long way. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Please remember, tell someone you love them, pick up that phone, send a text message, grab them for lunch, but just share the information. That's it for now. I'm Eli Albalos, and this is Eli's Echo. Thank you.